welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Bo Wiltshire. Bo is a 20-year veteran of U.S. Army Special Operations at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. He began investing in real estate in 2009 and made his transition to mobile home parks in early 2020. Along with his partners, he's building a portfolio of mobile home parks in Fayetteville, North Carolina, using the fund-to-fund structures. Bo, I'm fired up, dude. I'm pumped to make Good. this happen. This is going to be an awesome conversation, dude. And I'm just, I'm excited for you to be here, bro. Yeah, man, let's do it. Dude, sick, sick. So for the audience who who doesn't know who you are, um, I'm curious, dude. I mean, just take a couple minutes, you know, give us an intro, who you are, where you're from, and, and kind of just how you got to today. Yeah, cool. So I'm Bo Wiltshire. I grew up in a small town in Mississippi. Uh, joined the Army right after 9-11, you know, same thing everybody does. I'm going to do four years and I'm going to go back and be an engineer. Uh, never went back, never became an engineer. Uh, if I'd known it was going to go on for 20 years, I probably would be. Um, <laughs> and then I want to join the Army. Uh, 2007, got to Fort Bragg, joined a special operations unit there. Been there ever since. Uh, bounced around, worked with the Ranger Regiment, uh, spent some time on staff at JSOC, um, and then retiring, uh, getting done and, and started to look at you know what we're doing always liked real estate enjoyed the single family home thing uh, like everybody does and then figured out that hey this doesn't scale very well how do i how do i get this going uh so my wife and i sat down whiteboarded it out and figured out that we need to be in multifamily multifamily is crazy to get into so uh we kept iterating on that trying to work with some people and and stumbled into mobile home parks thanks to a property management company we were interviewing and yeah, just jumped into it, loved it. It correlates really well with, you know, our backgrounds and what we do and being able to get out there and mix it up on the ground. So scaling into that, decided to build a bigger team, uh, get bigger goals and grow a little bit. So yeah, we're in the middle of 300 pads in Fayetteville, North Carolina for our first tranche of our fund. So uh, we're about halfway through that right now. Dude, that That's awesome. And I, I love this story. I mean, so many military veterans today and, and still people are on active duty, you know, that day. And I'm from upstate New York. Um, I'm not from I'm New sorry. York City, but uh, dude, just, cold. Dude, dude, cold. That, that was good. Dude. Yeah, It's cold, dude. There's a lot of taxes. I'm trying to think what else uh, we have. Ter- we have terrible luck with governors. I mean, fill in the blank, dude. <laughs> uh, it's a shitty, it's, it's kind of a shitty place, but, but yeah, dude, I mean, it, it was so powerful. I mean, that was a big why and why I joined the military. And, and obviously I didn't join till 2017. I mean, over a decade after you did, but but when I deployed in 2020, I actually reached out to a member of the FDNY and carried a piece of steel rebar from the World Trade Center on me. So I, I just take that, 
day super, you know, personally and serious being from New York and, and stuff like yeah. that. So it's just, it's incredible that that was an important why for you too. So I, I just love hearing that dude, but like, I'm curious dude. like looking at your, your investing career, your real estate investing career, like where was that kind of like that initial, like, I don't know if it was an aha moment or, or what it was, but you know, we want to get into something a little different. You know, we want to put our money to work. We have this idea of financial freedom and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm curious how you kind of came across that journey and, and why real estate was kind of the right thing. So honestly, it's the probably a really typical story, rich dad, poor dad, and it got me going. And I read that in 1999 when I was in college and it started to sink in just, you know, way back in the day. And it took me a decade before I bought my first house. And, you know, I bought that with a guy I worked with and, you know, we started that together. It was going to be a flip in 2009. We were idiots and had no idea what this great financial crisis was and that the world was about to come to an end and all lending was going to stop. So our, our dreams of flipping uh, evaporated quickly. Uh, so we turned that into a long-term rental. My partner wanted out. I bought him out and kept that house and literally just sold it in 2019, uh, made a boatload of money. And, you know, it was, it was great. It's just, you know, I learned a lot about uh, landlording and I like people and, you know, being in the military, like you're going to work with people, you're going to help them with stuff. They're going to complain. They're going to do this. They've got problems. You're going to help them solve problems. And that's part of landlording. Uh, the thing with, you know, the single family model is, is now you've got a bunch of those. And once you, I got to like four and I was like, holy smokes, like this takes a lot. It's a lot to get capital together. It's a lot to, you know, clean a house up. It's a lot to keep up with people. And it's five roofs and five HVACs and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it just kind of that, that fifth one, what I think would have been problematic. So we started looking, that's really what pushed us to the, you know, thinking about it a little bit different. So yeah, dude, that's, that's super cool. And I, I completely relate. I mean, even where we've scaled our student housing portfolio, starting with one property five years ago, and now we're up to eight. It's like, dude, landlording, it, it, it is a difficult task, but yeah, dude, just like you, we learned so many important rules and, and, you know, tax tasks along the way that's now helped us scale into this commercial portfolio because we have those kind of those beginner basic stages kind of hammered out. So like, yeah. where, where was that decision for you? And I know you, you said in the beginning where you kind of stumbled into the mobile home parks and stuff like that. But where was that decision of like, hey, there's an easier way to scale here. Let's look to do bigger deals and, and start, you know, obviously building out a team to raise capital and asset manage and stuff like that. I'm curious. Yeah. So honestly, I started digging into podcasts and I really, you know, did the, was going down the bigger pockets thing, trying to figure stuff out and get better at, you know, the house flipping is that's what we were going to go into. And you know, kept hearing people talk about multifamily syndication, that kind of thing. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds a lot like you're building a team for purpose. And that's, that's what we do. We build yeah, teams yeah. for purpose. And that's what these guys were doing. And I was like, oh man, that's interesting. And then I ended up, you know, running into a guy at the local, you know, more like real estate investment association, uh, the RIA meetings. And he was getting into that. He's a Air Force special operations guy uh, over with Valkyrie Capital. Now they're, they're knocking it out of the park too. So, you know, he and I sat down and I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? So they had already made that transition. Him and his brother, they had shifted to, they had a couple of quads and they bought a 16 unit in Fayetteville. And then they raised money and bought like a 20 unit. And I was like, how are you guys doing this? So we actually sat down and and talked it out and, you know, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't. He was like, you need to go interview some, some you know, property managers and start figuring out how, to, how the market works and where you want to be. And one of those property managers is what put us on to uh, mobile home parks. So, 
yeah, like when I say stumble, like I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't like doing the analysis of the financials of like, what's the best performing asset class for the last 10 years? Well, it bounces back and forth between mobile home parks and self-storage. I didn't know that. I just knew that the numbers were great and this looked like an awesome opportunity. And, you know, where most people would shy away from buying a trailer park, I didn't. I grew up in a trailer and, you know, I was comfortable there. I, I understood that. And if I'd known then that the numbers would be great, I probably would have started there years ago. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And, and, you know, similar to mine where just podcasting, it's like two years ago, I didn't even know, you know, people invested in mobile <laughs> home parks. It's like crazy. Just looking at how far we've come, but like what a, you know, a little bit of a novice I was. And I was like one of those dudes. I was like, why would I ever want to buy a trailer park? And it's like, no, you don't understand. It's, you know, it's an incredible investment and affordable housing is, is so high in demand right now. Uh, I'm curious, like when you look at from your team's like side, like mobile home park investing as a whole, I mean, we talk so much about the affordable housing crisis here in the country and, and why that's such an incredible reason why mobile home, investing in mobile home parks is powerful. Like, I'm curious your thoughts on kind of the affordable housing crisis and, and stuff like that in our country. And what, what, what do you think are kind of the main lucrative niches that come with like investing in mobile home parks for people out there who might be looking to passively invest in real estate or, or something like that? Yeah. So the first first part of that is, yeah, the, the affordable crisis or the, the crisis in affordable housing is it's kind of nuts. And, you know, I'm in the government right now. I'm getting ready to retire from the military. So I see kind of how this could happen. But you're like, how does the government not take care of this? Well, it's because they're not really good at it. And they got a lot of other stuff going on. The government's really big and it's inefficient. So like mobile home parks are the last form of like non-subsidized affordable housing that you can get right now. So it just kind of you would think it would be a better model and people would get into it more and the government would get behind it, but they really don't. And I don't know if it's just that, you know, that nimbyism of not in my backyard, nobody really wants a mobile home park. Uh, well, they don't want to trade their park. They, they wouldn't mind one of our communities where we're building to. And yeah, it's just a, it's one of those things that's, yeah, you would think it would be easier and it's a better problem to solve and it's really straightforward, but uh, yeah, it's like a self-inflicted wound, man. They just, they can't get out of their own way for, for some of it. And uh, yeah. What, what was the second part of the question we segued yeah. into? Yeah. yeah. This, the second part was just like, and I completely agree with what you said leading up to that. The second part was, you know, what are some of the kind of the biggest, um, you know, parts of investing in mobile home parks for people out there. And we talk about the affordable housing crisis and how there's such an increasing demand. I mean, there's a finite amount of mobile home parks out there and stuff like that. But I'm I'm curious, you know, for you personally, what, what are the big advantages for you for investing in mobile home parks? Yeah, for us, I mean, the the, the biggest advantage, obviously, the the there's there's income there and that kind of thing. So it provides me the the financial and, and time and geographic freedom to do what we want to do. But the biggest thing that that really draws us in is like having impact, man. There's a like that crisis that these people are getting left behind. They they make too much money to qualify for you know subsidies. They don't make enough money to be able to buy a home in their market. And we can provide that middle ground where I can still give you a yard. I can give you a clean, quiet, safe, affordable place to live and help somebody that's that life's been kicking in the teeth. Like, how do you get a foothold and like start getting back ahead and start taking back over control of your life with an affordable place? Uh, you know, even in Fayetteville, like there's there's a really distinct line between all of us that, you know, work in the military that are having really solid incomes that have never missed a beat. And we get a, a pay raise every year. That's stable. So they build all the houses and apartment complexes for people like us. Uh, if you're, you know, just 
working in the local economy, you may not have that. So it gets a little tougher. So there's a huge, huge rental population. I think it's like 50% of Fayetteville rents. 40% of those are under you know $35,000 a year household income. Huge market, huge market. So once I started getting a little more savvy, I was like, all right, let me see if this is actually going to work. Why is this working so good? Oh, it's because the demographics are working in our favor. I stumbled into that just living in Fayetteville, but uh, you know, sitting down and actually doing the analysis and talking with some more savvy investors, like, yeah, this is you, we just we hit the gold mine and we didn't know it yet, and now we do. So, yeah, that's 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 our biggest reason for getting into it is of all the asset classes, self storage doesn't have any residents, makes a ton of money. Uh, multifamily, it's easy to scale. You can be part of huge teams and buy a hundred million dollar complex. Those people are class A people. They're they're living in nice apartment complexes. It's it's cool when some of them need help, but I like this. You know, getting back to this. I mean, you know, it's the yeah. same thing. You you meet the people in your parks, man, and it's like, all right, hey, life has been rough, and and I can make that better for you. I can help you with this, and I can be that bridge between what you know the government was supposed to do and what you know the country and your community was supposed to do, and they let you down. And we're here. We're going to make that better. So, uh, again, like the whole thriving communities, we, that's not an accident that that's what we branded our parks and our communities is, you know, that's what we that's what we're looking for. Dude, I love all of this. And, and this is so powerful, too. I mean, it's like that mentality of like, hey, you know, yeah, you know, we're investors. We're going to make some cash from this deal. But, dude, we want to improve the community as a whole. We want to improve these people's lives. Everyone, you know, doesn't matter if you're A class, D class, like, dude, everyone deserves a safe, clean place, safe, you know, clean, secure place to live, dude. And I wish I could just, you know, help so many people out there and government officials like understand that that's our goal as investors. And I know your team and I know that's your guys' goal. So I just think that's powerful and what, and what you guys are doing in improving communities. Uh, I'm curious in early 2020, I mean, when you're looking at that first mobile home park deal, I guess, what, what did the team look like at that point? I'm, I'm not really sure. I don't think Thrive was a thing yet, unless I'm wrong, but what was that first mobile home park deal? How did that team look like? I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, so that team, the operational side of that was my wife and I. So, uh, you know, me and Brooke, we, we got out there, started figuring it out and walking parks and going to meeting owners and, and stuff like that. And then I had two really great capital partners, one of which is an active duty uh, pilot there at Fort Bragg as a helo guy. Um, but yeah, I met him again at, at a meetup and talking, and we just got to having this conversation about impact and, you know, we can make a solid return. And, there's this weird virus thing going on. We're not sure what's about to happen, but if anything's going to be okay, it's it's going to be affordable housing. Like, where else are you going to go? So, you know, that's kind of how we went into it. It's like, eh, I want to do this now, but is it going to be secure? So the team at that point was, you know, myself, this guy, his dad, and then my Brooke on my side helping me, you know, organize things and stay ahead of stuff. So, Team was pretty light and it was just lean and we we figured a lot of stuff out. And those guys, you know, they did me a huge solid and let me get out there and and go get basically a, a master's degree and and how to run a mobile home park, or at least a graduate degree. I don't I don't know, or you know, undergrad. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, a good start. Dude, I mean that's so powerful. And it, it's it's like the best way that I've ever learned, like starting out was just getting getting out there and getting my hands dirty on that first property or whatever it was. So I, I know with a lot with what you do now is dealt with asset management and stuff like that. I mean, what are some tough lessons that you've learned in the mobile home park space, you know, managing parks and stuff like that from the asset management side? I'm, I'm curious. I mean, any any tips or any, you know, major mistakes over the last year and a half or so? Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing is, is don't try to do it all yourself. 
So we did that. We kind of got into this and started building this thing out. And we were, you know, my partner and I were, were trying to, my buddy Chuck, he's, he lives in North Carolina as well. But, you know, you're trying to raise capital. You're trying to asset manage, you're trying to take over parks and like, holy smokes, like it's big. It's a lot of stuff. And if you want to do all of it, you can, you just don't want, you won't do any of it very well. So, you know, getting back to that, you know, some people talk about a, a zone of genius, like figuring out what you're good at. Um, and then building out for that. Uh, so go after those things and find team members that, you know, accent that. I think you're going to talk to, you know, my partner, Christopher Nelson, uh, on another episode, um, rock star guy, met him, alignment of interests, building out. He had gifts I don't have. He's got skills. He's got wealths of experience, you know, no pun intended. Podcaster, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just a great guy, but he, he brought a lot to the table. So my partner, Chuck, really systemized guy. He's, he can go through stuff, checklist, you know, retired sergeant major, same thing. I can, hey, let's execute it at a really high level. Christopher is the same kind of thing on the finance side and capital raising, really high level guy. And we just started putting this team together and, and now we can all focus on our bin. So biggest lesson learned is, is find a thing you're good at specialize in that and then build a team around you that's good at what they're good at. And man, bringing those guys on is, you know, we slogged through that first part that first year where it was just my wife and I, and it was painful. And, you know, we've tripled that in half the time and it's a lot less painful. So team up, find people that are good at stuff and, and grow that way. Yeah, dude. I mean, I love that. And it's like, when, when we're looking at building that team, it's like, Hey, what am I good at? what do I suck at? You know, being transparent with <laughs> yeah. yourself, dude, and being, you know, what am I terrible? Oh, I'm terrible at talking to people, raising capital. You know, let me network with the Chris Nelson, who, like you said, is a rock star in that and a stud. Um, yep. But yeah, dude, it's like, I feel like it's being transparent with yourself, being transparent with the team and and finding those right pieces to the puzzle that are going to get the, you know, get the ball across the end zone together as a team. So I think that's so crucial, dude. And, I, and I, it's crazy. And I, I love how you hit on this too, dude, like from night and day from that first mobile home park with, you know, just you and your wife crushing it to like team, like actually built out with systems and processes, I'm sure was night and day, dude. So that's, that's crazy, dude. I'm, I'm yeah. curious, like looking back in, in the last 18 months, dude, and, and we talk a lot of mindset on here as well. I mean, any, any mindset tips and tricks or stuff like that, that's worked for you, like visualization or anything like that. I, I know, like, especially when you're in that first park, dude, it's so easy to be like, shit, this sucks. Like, what am I doing right now? There's so much easier ways. I can sit behind my desk and trade stock and make money or whatever. But from yep. a mindset point of view, dude, conceptualizing that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Like, I'm curious your thoughts on that process. Yeah. So mindfulness, I think is a, is, is a big one. So, you know, our mindset has, has been, I mean, and we're, you know, my partner, Christopher, like we're all, you know, we're spiritual people. So that whole faith kind of aspect of like, oh man, we're going through it now. What do we want to do? How do I interact with these people? Sometimes people are turds and you want to crush them and it's just like, nope, let me just, let me, let me take a step back. So mindset, you know, it's a, it's a blend for me of, you know, my faith and then getting into, you know, just really being intentional with your time. So as we've grown and Christopher again and Chuck, they're, they're excellent at this. They block things out and they've taught me a lot of like, Hey, you got to be really intentional with your, your time. And and getting into that. So planning my day ahead, you know, getting the intention journal out, like, what am I doing tomorrow? And here's where it starts. I wake up at, you know, 530. I'm doing this from this time to this time. And then I'm prepping this. And then, you know, here's what's going on. And 
you know, you lay all that stuff out. And I think getting your day started that first hour really sets the tone for your day. And, you know, if you wake up late and you haven't done anything, you're not prepared, same as the army is, you know, your, your day is probably going to go really bad and you're fighting to keep up. But uh, the mindset of I'm always going to be prepared, never late light or, you know, out of uniform. So I've got all my stuff. I'm ready to go. You know, it's it's key, man, that every, a lot of the stuff that we do in the military translates really well to business. And I think that's what, you know, makes veterans great entrepreneurs is we already have that mindset of get yourself ready, make sure everything's ready to go and you'll build a team for purpose. So, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, it starts, I mean, just hit, you hit the nail on the head, but it's like, dude, it starts as soon as your feet hit the floor in the morning. It's like, what, what are you putting in your body? What are you hydrating with? You know, if yep. your brain isn't hydrated, dude, like you're not going to be able to think right. So I, I just love that mentality, dude. As soon as your, you know, your feet hit uh, the floor in the morning, dude, it's, it's showtime. Like, what are you doing from that second? That's going to set the tone the rest of the day. So that's super powerful, dude. I, I love that. Uh, I'm curious, dude, just to get like your thoughts on a few more like asset management pieces like that. And when yeah. looking at mobile home parks as a whole, dude, I mean, obviously we've talked about, you know, more of like a class C tenant, stuff like mm-hmm. that. When it comes to like asset takeover, um, you guys just close a deal and are ready to prepare for that first 30 days, dude. What is important in day zero to 30 of asset management of that first commercial property, that first mobile home park or whatever? Obviously, you you, you very well might be purchasing this from a seller who might have neglected the property or something like that, neglected the tenants and stuff. So I'm just curious, dude, in, in your asset management experience, which I know you specialize in, like that day zero to 30 range, what are some key things you're accomplishing and, and you're personally doing? Yeah, so I think the big things are are one making sure what the seller turned over to you is what's actually happening. So we we just took over a park where uh, the leases that we were given and the rent roll we were given didn't match. Like the guy literally had the wrong people in the wrong leases, and we were like, how how does that even happen? So again, we had to go back, circumvent, and just chop stuff away and re- like start over, getting people back in. So the first thing is go back in, confirm everything you you thought you knew. Uh, hey, we just randomly moved people around for no reason. Sorry. I don't know. A lot of people do what they do. Uh, but confirming that, making sure you've got all the right bills. So again, we, we just took one over, got all the bills turned over. And then th- this one random one showed up that was the water for the entire park. Like, hey, we got that. You told me you this was what this, oh, that was for another property I had. Sorry. All right. Well, so now we're, we're doing an audible. Um, so making sure you got that stuff and getting it all automated and then getting everything, yeah, like automated and getting things pay in when they're supposed to take all that stuff and make give yourself a digital employee. I know you and I have talked about that before as well as your operating system is key. Uh, we've used several of them. We've started with Rent Manager, Buildium, uh, Appfolio is what we're using now. Uh, they've all got pluses and minuses, uh, but whatever you're going to use, make sure that thing is, is ready to rock uh, and, and speed you up a little bit. Uh, the other big thing we've we've really learned is is touchless pay. So and I don't know if that's just really mobile home park specific, but we have a lot of unbanked people in our communities where, you know, they they just don't have bank accounts. And the previous owner, um, which is why they do a lot of seller financing, collected a lot of money in cash. Well, it really didn't work with us. You know, we're we're really by the book kind of guys. So we don't collect any cash. We don't take any money from anybody, uh, but we do have methods set up either online, direct draft, uh, ACH from their their bank account. And then there's like payment options for cash where they can take a little barcode pay slip that we give them 
or, or on an app on their phone and they go down to CVS or Walmart or 7-Eleven and they can pay in cash right there. It pops right into our system, just like they had given it to us in person. They get their receipt and everything's good. So uh, making it easy to get paid and having that stuff set up, ready to go as quickly as possible, you know, night and day difference, huge, huge win. So make sure that stuff's set up. And then in your first 30 days, reach out, introduce yourself, address all the elephants in the room. Like, Hey, I know there's been some things going on that you may not like. We understand we're going to make this better. So that presence getting out there and, and letting people know, I know what the problems are. Tell me what else you got for me. Here's what I'm tracking. And they're going to, all of this is wrong. This is crazy. And that tree is going to fall over and they'll tell you all the stuff that that's, that's really burning. And then you can, you can make a plan to start addressing that and people don't move out and then you don't have to make ready homes and you save a lot of money. Dude, that's awesome. And I, I think you hit on so many incredible things, but dude, I, I would bring it back to just like making the tenants, like the heroes of the story, dude. And again, like so many of these mobile home parks and you now have been neglected for like decades or maybe you have, you know, mom and pop owners that just kind of fell off, you know, the line here towards the end as they've owned it. And it's like doing that face to face with them in the first 30 days being, Hey, I'm Bo or Hey, I'm Jesse, man. We know there are some problems. We're here to fix these problems. And we, and we want to work with you. Like bringing those tenants almost like on the team, like let's do this together, dude. It's so powerful. Um, I'm, I'm curious when it comes to like rent increases and, and, and we can get into this with mobile home parks, how, you know, these mom and pop owners, um, you know, it, sometimes there are situations where they've owned it for decades and they don't increase the rents on parks and stuff like that. Well, you know, what do you and your team do to increase rents at like a safe rate that makes sense for the business model? Obviously, I assume you guys are taking some of that excess revenue and, and putting it towards projects in the parks and stuff like that. But I guess what is your team's exact thought process on, on rent increases in the space and how do you guys do it effectively? I'll, I'll go ahead and hit on this because you mentioned it right there at the end. So when you're raising money for a project, you know, don't budget that you're going to put money back into projects that you that that excess revenue. That's a really that's I probably should have mentioned that earlier. It's one of the keys. Figure out ahead of time what your capex budget needs to be and raise that money. Save yourself the hassle. Save yourself the pressure. You know, and then that ties into the the first part of your question is how do you raise rents? Well, when you come in and the first thing you do is cut back all the problem trees, paint all the roofs, paint all the homes, cut all the hitches off, repave the road. Nobody cares about a $50 raise. You've just put like $50,000 into their neighborhood. It looks baller and they love it. And they're like, I don't care what you're going to increase it to. I'm going to pay it. It's safe. You got all the riffraff crazy people out of here, people shooting stuff up and doing crazy stuff in the yards. And it looks awesome. So, you know, those, those two that flip that around and that solves the first part of that problem. Uh, we also have a pretty unique strategy, at least to us, you know, when we talk to people about it is we buy parks with a lot of park owned homes where the, the lot rent hasn't really been set. So we'll come back to them. And, and as soon as we have the home, we'll, we'll introduce it to them. And as long as they're a qualified applicant, we, we give them the option to rent to purchase their home. We sell them the home for really, really cheap. So the money's not in the home. You, you know, anybody that's been around the space knows that the multifamily guys have a hard time making that connection. So yeah, getting to understand that mindset of, you know, get rid of the home. That's where your liabilities are at. That's where the leaky faucets are at. And they'll buy those things and they'll fix them and they treat them a lot better, you know, owning them than they do renting them. So you can establish that lot rent. We've had really good luck. You know, what we thought was going to be the market lot rent in Fayetteville or a hundred dollars above it per lot. And from nothing other than cleaning stuff up, doing what we said we were going to do, giving these people a great place to live. 
And they're like, yeah, I'll pay that. I'm, I'm good with it. And you're going to hook me up with the home and I'll take care. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. So for us, it's been a, a great model uh, partnering with our residents to, to do that. And, and we haven't had to actually raise rents on anybody. You know, the lot rents have raised significantly, but, you know, for them, it's, it's fairly transparent. Dude, that's awesome. And I, I love that mentality of, of giving people like pride where they live. Do you have pride in this community when you're coming in and you're fixing all those things? And it's like people have, Hey, I'm going to take care of this house now because this neighborhood looks awesome because this, this new team takes such pride in us having a safe, clean, secure place to live. Dude. So I, I just love that mentality and what your team's doing. Um, there's one more thing I kind of wanted to hit on dude, before we get into it, like a couple more mindset things, dude, like, can you, yep. can you just kind of like deep dive a little bit, like the fun structure and what your team is really doing around Thrive Fund and stuff like that. I think this is super unique. And I love the Fayetteville market, dude. And some of the statistics you've just shared today, the amount of renters and the demand for affordable housing in Fayetteville is absolutely incredible. So I can only imagine the type of returns you guys are getting for your investors. Can you just kind of like talk about the fund and, and the ins and outs and the structure of it? Yeah. So again, I'm going to give the obligatory, I'm not a securities attorney, so <laughs> contact your own person. Don't take any of this as legal <laughs> advice. Uh, my lawyer told me to say that anytime we talk about this stuff. So um, yes, yeah, so we use Byron Elliott uh, out at Three Pillars Law, a veteran uh, out there, SF guy that got out and actually went to school to be, you know, charge a lot of money for me to talk to him. Uh, but he's a great guy, salt of the earth, great team. Uh, so the first step is, you know, get yourself an attorney and find out what you don't know. Uh, help them help yourself set it up, uh, pay the money, pay the setup and consultation fees up front if, you, if you're going to get in this game. Um, but yeah, so we did a, a 506C fund. So uh, we can advertise publicly. We can say, hey, we're, we're raising money to do this. This is what our projected returns are and stuff like that. Um, a little more open. It cuts out the friends and family a lot of times. You have to be an accredited investor to get into it. Uh, but we're, right now we're, we're coming in at a you know a high 20s IRR. We don't really harp on the IRR a whole lot just because they change a whole lot. Um, but yeah, cash on cash is going to be you know solid double digits for our guys, and that's that's year one, um, you know. But we've we've got it set up where it, it worked. It's advantageous, and, and we bring guys on to help us, you know, fan out the Christopher Nelsons of the world. And there's a, a system that he can use there uh, to do that. But I think over the ten year hold, you know, we're going to be well over two and a half x you know return on capital, um, and, and hitting you know double digit cash on cash the entire time with a return to capital by year five, targeting year three, uh, stuff like that. So it's, you know, the model's going well, we're ahead of schedule. So uh, I think we may end up, you know, exceeding some of those numbers, shockingly enough. Dude, this is incredible. And I mean, if, if like I'm an investor out there and I've got cash to place, whether it's just sitting in a savings account or looking to diversify into an alternative asset, dude, like double digit cash on cash, you know, 2.5 multiplier in an asset that again, like the affordable housing is increasing. There's a finite supply of mobile home parks. Fayetteville is an incredible market, dude. I, I couldn't think of a better place to put cash right now than, than with you guys in Fayetteville. Cause it, it is just so, it's like a no brainer, dude. So that's, yeah. that's incredible. It's, it's a home run in, in my uh, point of view, dude. I, I wanted to hit, uh, get your thoughts on one more thing, dude. And, and not yeah. so much real estate related, but like when looking at your, 
your two decade career in special operations, you know, we talked about so much like the psychology of winning, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the actually the psychology of quitting. You know, what have you seen throughout your military career, tough selection processes, and even with your real estate career? So many people begin this journey of financial freedom and, and taper off or, or don't go to the end for various reasons. Like, I guess in, in your opinion, Bo, you know, why do people quit? Why, do, why don't people make it to the finish line and what you've seen across, you know, your military and, and investing career? Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of people quit. I mean, obviously, if you, you've ever run a selection course or anything like that, you, you, you see this. And so I've seen a lot of, I don't know if I'd say the privilege or I've had the, the job of watching a lot of people really get into stuff and they have the talent and they have what it takes. And I'm like, that's the guy, he's going to make it. And then I think they underestimate what it takes to actually get to the finish of something. So everybody likes to start. Everybody likes the sexy part of I'm going to go buy mobile home parks and I'm going to do this and I'm going to I'm going to be a special operations guy and I'm going to jump out of planes and it's going to be awesome. And then you get up there and you're at twenty five thousand feet and it is freaking cold and it sucks and all it looks cool on TV, but it is not fun. And so you get guys that and gals, they get started and they underestimate what it's really going to take to follow through. Um, so you guys that have been around for a while, they know everything's going to suck. Like whatever we're going to do, it's probably going to suck. I'm going to the end and that's it. Uh, but I think that mindset of, you know, try to understand it as much as you can and, and make a reasonable judgment going in. And then just know that there's things you're not going to foresee and you're going to have to, you know, take an audible and, and just power through something and just, just grin and bear it and figure it out and, and deal with the hard times and, yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing. It's just that you got to turn that off as an option of it's going to suck. Something's going to happen. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to run into a, something in one of my properties and, and, and just power through. Dude, yeah, I mean, so many, you know, great points and like just coming back to that mentality of of like turning that off that like, dude, it's not even like I'm uh, this deal is going to, you know, reach the finish line or, or like, I'm going to die trying. Like there is no other pathway. There's only one path and, it, and it's forward, dude. So it, it's cool just to pick your brain and get your thoughts on that. Obviously your career spans far further than mine and in, in the processes that you've done. So I could I, I just get pumped to ask like every uh, special operator that question and what they've seen in their career. So it's, I, yeah. I think it, it plays such an important part, you know, to investing to the building of wealth, because this is like a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know, you didn't buy a mobile home park on Monday and, and you're living in the Caribbean on Friday. This is, this is a, this <laughs> yeah. a marathon. So um, two, two last things I wanted to hit you with, dude. We, we asked yeah. all guests these questions as we get ready to wrap up here, dude. And okay. I, I, I'm just curious your thoughts on this one. Um, if you could solve any problem in the world, I, I'm curious what it is and, and, and why, we, why would you solve it? Oh, man. Problem in the world. That's big, man. Dude, yeah, smokes. I know, dude. Take, take a, a good second. question. Take a second. All right. Dude. Take a second. No Any rush, problem in the world. Yeah, honestly, I, I would, I don't know. Self-reliance probably. And okay. I think, especially in the West, everybody gets reliant on somebody else. Everybody else thinks somebody's coming to save them. Uh, everybody else thinks somebody's going to come take care of that problem. You know, I think getting back to a point where, you know, people are are capable and people are willing to step up and, I'm going to be the guy to solve that problem. I see that uh, and I'm going to deal with it. You know, that, that mentality of, you know, you see something, you do something and, and you don't wait for other people to do stuff. I think it's, you know, a lot of what's happened in our country is it, it, people keep deferring responsibility and, you know, not to make it political, but on both sides, like, you know, somebody else is going to take care of this. I'm going to trust 
535 guys in Congress to solve world hunger and, and make everything great. No, that's that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be us, the citizens of this country, the citizens of the world, digging down where we're at, solving problems and making things better. So if I could uh, solve one thing in the world, it would be you know that self-reliant like ownership, people solving the things around them. Bo, that might be the best response I've ever gotten, bro. <laughs> you just ripped it and it was great. Sorry, I, I feel like it, you know, it, it, it catches some people off guard. It's like it is such like a ambiguous question. But dude, that was one of the best responses we've, we've ever gotten. I I couldn't agree more, dude. It's like who, you know, stop relying on other people, you know, take ownership that that we're all in this problem and, and what can we do to solve it? The people. So, dude, I, I love that yeah. response. The the very last question, dude, before we wrap up here, Bo Wiltshire's living the perfect life, brother. What's going on? I am in an RV with my wife and kids. We're traveling all over the country because we're already homeschool and we're seeing the countryside, man. We're bouncing around and every time we have a whim, we're over there doing it. So that's it. Dude, that's sick and I love it. And and just that path to financial freedom, it just allows you that freedom to do what whatever it is that you want, dude, if it's be more with your family or whatever, dude. So I, I I just love that response. And I can't thank you enough, dude, for taking time out of your super busy schedule. I know you guys are crushing deals and and your team is is absolutely getting after it right now. And I, I can't wait to see where you guys go here. I'm both people who want to follow up with you, dude, learn more about you, learn more about Thrive. What platforms are you guys on and what's the best way to get a hold of you, dude? Yeah. So right now we've got a website uh, up and running. It's thrivecommunity.fund. Uh, you can go there, get signed up, keep up with our uh, offering materials, get into our webinars, uh, get notified when we're getting ready to offer another offering. Uh, Fortify Capital Group, Fortify underscore CG on uh, Instagram, or you can look me up on LinkedIn at Robert uh, or Bo Wiltshire. Uh, and any of those, yeah, hit me up if you have questions. Dude, I appreciate it again. You taking time out of your busy schedule to, to do this interview. Oh, I, I had a blast, dude. The Thrive team is a world-class team, dude. I, I love what you guys are doing. I mean, transforming communities to, to make it a better, cleaner, safer, secure place to live. And, and obviously, as we talked about with the fund, dude, getting monster returns for your guys' investors, it's, it's a no-brainer on my end. So I can't thank for you sure. for everything you've done for our country, dude. Everything the Thrive team is doing, it, it's incredible. It's a world-class act. Thank you for taking time to come on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate you having me. It's been a good time. Awesome. Thanks again, Bo. I appreciate it, brother, and have a great rest of your day. Cool. Thanks, Jesse. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.